Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Target Field in Minnesota. It's the Cleveland Guardians 7, the Minnesota Twins 6. I'm Davey Barris, a lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And as most of you morning people know, if you've been listening all season, I became a new dad at the beginning of the season. And, uh, you know, most mornings we record this while the baby's still sleeping. Then I go do my dad thing, give him a bottle. Well, that did not work this morning. So the baby is here with me. Uh, you may hear some happy baby sounds. You may hear a few random noises, toys crinkling throughout the episode. We'll try to keep the noise to a minimum. I know nobody's listening to a podcast to hear a baby scream in the background. So we'll try to keep the noise to a minimum. But the baby is wide awake right next to me, enjoying dad's podcast. So... The co-host is with me. Let's get into the storylines of the game. Oof, an 8 o'clock start plus a rain delay. How did you do morning people that are in the eastern time zone of the United States? You know, my fellow Clevelanders here. How did you do? Did you make it to the end of this game? I did and I didn't. I, in a sense, I did. I was on the couch when the game ended. But I wasn't necessarily awake when Emmanuel Classe was I was throwing pitches. I swear to you. I swear. I mean, they went into the, the bottom of the ninth inning. And I was there. I was with it. I let my eyes rest for a second during the commercial break. And boom. Next thing I know, Oscar Gonzalez is giving a post-game interview with Andre Knott. And I'm going, well, hey, at least we won. Uh, so apparently, I just completely slept through the uh, bottom of the ninth inning. Um so yeah, it was a late one here for us Clevelanders. Uh, you can understand why it's hard to get up and do a morning podcast after something like that. I kind of wish I would have stayed awake and just done it last night. Uh, but here we are. Let's get into the actual storylines of the game. And I mean, it's a tale of two halves. It's almost like the uh, Apple TV Plus people were, went down to the Minnesota dugout and was like, hey, you realize this is a nationally televised game. Do you think you can make this a little bit interesting? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. You want us to hit a couple uh, couple of home runs, drive in some runs? Yeah, sure. Okay, we, yeah, we can do that. Um, so they take a 7 nothing lead, turn it into a 7-6 to nail-biter. So it really is the tale of two halves. Let's do the Guardians half first because the offense was off and running and fun. Scoring four runs in the first inning. My God, we jumped all over Dylan Bundy, and he wasn't doing himself any favors, getting hammered in this game, gave up nine hard hit balls himself, and only four and two-thirds innings, gives up seven, all seven runs given up by Dylan Bundy in this one, and just nothing was working for him, especially the slider. You'll see how in this game, we hammer some sliders off of Dylan Bundy. Uh... I mean, he did have a decent whiff rate on that, but we put five in play at a 97.2 mile per hour average exit velocity. And then the fastball wasn't fooling anybody. We put 10 of those in play at a 90.1 mile per hour average exit velocity. But most of the big hits came via the slider. All right, so let's get into it. How does it go down in that first inning? Well, it starts with a little bit of bat bip luck, right? The bat bip gods were smiling on Cleveland last night, especially in this first inning. After Quan flies out in foul territory, Ahmed Rosario gets an infield single, just kind of hits it deep in the hole, and Correa can't make a play. Then Jose Ramirez gets one back off of Bundy's glove, back up the middle, and it kind of dies in that no-man's land between the pitcher and those two middle infielders. So now we got two guys on. Brings up Josh Naylor, 
who gets an outside pitch and does just a beautiful job of hitting right here. I mean, I want to see this approach from Josh Naylor more often. Yes, we love when he's smoking home runs to center field off Chicago White Sox pitching. But coming up in that first inning, to be able to go opposite field and with authority, he hits this thing at 102. So this isn't just Quan sticking the bat out there and poking it into left field. He still gets a solid barrel on this thing. No offense to Quan. I mean, it works for Quan. But Naylor gets a solid barrel on this thing, 102 mile per hour exit velocity into the opposite field. It brings in the first run of the game. And then Oscar Gonzalez comes up a little bit down in the count. And he gets a slider that definitely was supposed to be down and away. He gets a slider that definitely misses its target and absolutely hammers this thing. It ends up, it was supposed to be outside the strike zone. On an 0-2 count, this pitch was supposed to be outside in the other batter's box. And instead, Bundy just hangs it on the inside half of the plate, right at the thighs. And Gonzalez, so ridiculously strong, knew what was coming, right? It seemed like he really knew, okay, they're going to throw me that slider. I have to protect the outside edge. But then when it comes on the inside edge, he's so ready and geared up for a slider that he's able to turn on this thing and just hammer it 104.1 miles per hour for a big home run to really blow this game wide open. Uh, what was the now this would not be his biggest home run of the game this one went 391 into that lower deck in left field it was a missile only a 20 degree launch angle uh, so a real missile in the left field so huge first inning for your guardians uh, and then the home run ball would continue to just be a thing for the guardians uh, they would then uh, Austin Hedges would give you a solo home run in the fourth inning uh, he would also get he would also get a slider from Dylan Bundy. Uh, this slider, I'm telling you, it's going to haunt his nightmares. Uh, he hung a high one, high middle of the plate to Austin Hedges, and he hits at 97.4 miles per hour for a home run to make it a 5-0 lead. And then in the fifth inning, in the top of the fifth, Oscar Gonzalez again in a 2-1 count, another hanging slider from Dylan Bundy, and this one is a monster shot. I mean, Gonzalez is really locked in at this point. Uh, Austin Hedges' home run goes 380 uh, for a home run. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez, the hardest hit ball of the game, 108.1 mile per hour exit velocity after a Josh Naylor double, by the way, so it's a two-run home run. 420 into one of the upper decks there in left field, one of the middle decks. That one had the 980 expected batting average. That was a no doubt about it. I mean, no doubt about it. It was literally the hardest hit ball of the entire day. Gonzalez getting really locked in. I know you can strike him out on that uh, slider, right? He's got 30 strikeouts so far this season. He's got a 31.8% whiff rate on breaking ball. So sliders or curves. But he's now up to five of his seven home runs are via breaking ball. So it's the kind of situation where, yeah, if you get it on the outside edge, if you get it off the plate, yeah, you're probably going to strike him out. But if you hang it, if you miss, like Bundy misses with his location, he is going to destroy that ball. He's strong enough that he doesn't necessarily... He doesn't necessarily have to put the perfect swing on it. And that first home run is the perfect example where he's strong enough that if he gets to it, you're going to be in trouble. 
So Oscar Gonzalez versus the breaking ball is definitely something that we've been keeping our eye on and we'll continue to keep our eye on. I mean, if he proves to be that right-handed outfield power hitter that we've been waiting for, like if it actually works and sticks at the major league level and he could, you know, do this over a hundred and, you know, 58 games, if he could do this over 600 plate appearances and turn this into 30 home runs, that's going to be really, really impressive. I mean, he's up to 266 plate appearances this season. So, uh, you know, maybe less than halfway to a full season. Uh, He'll probably, by the end of this, he'll probably get to about a half a season, right, worth of at-bats before September's done. So does he get it up to double-digit home runs before this thing is over? That'd be nice to see in his rookie season. That'd be a, a decent mark to get to in your rookie season if he could get this to 10 home runs. By the way, Austin Hedges doesn't hit a lot of home runs off breaking balls. Most of his home runs over the last two seasons have come off of fastballs. So, uh, yeah, this is something, uh, this one he just got, man. It's his first home run off a breaking ball all season. But, man, when you hang one like they did to Austin Hedges, you're definitely going to pay. This one, this one almost had like a little bit of an extra hump to it. Like, it kind of had this moment after it left Bundy's hand where it like called out to Austin Hedges and said, hey, man. You want, a, you want a hanging breaking ball, this is it, man. If you're ever going to hit a hanging breaking ball, I'm the one to hit. Uh, I, something about it, it just kind of hung up there for a second and let Austin Hedges' eyes get really, really big. So that's the scoring. The Guardians, man, score most of their runs via the home run. Not something you typically see, right? The offense actually gets pretty quiet after that. Uh, through the rest of the game. They do threaten in the ninth inning. Andres Jimenez has a chance. You know how good he is in the ninth inning with Naylor and Oscar Gonzalez on with singles uh, after um, Ahmed Rosario and Ramirez had struck out. Andres Jimenez hits one to the wall. Now, it's right in the right field corner. It's not very deep. It's 328. Um, it had a .010 expected batting average. So, look, he didn't really get a hold of one. But there was a moment where you thought maybe, maybe the right fielder was going to have to crash into the wall. You know, maybe Garlic out there was going to run out of room in that corner. And he just makes the catch on the warning track. So Andres Jimenez almost gives us an insurance run in that ninth inning. But really, I mean, after this Oscar Gonzalez home run, that's kind of the end of the offense for the Guardians. Now, it's a huge offensive night. 15 hits, 7 runs, a 309 expected batting average. That's a huge night for the Guardians' offense. Now, on the other side of things, the Minnesota Twins do get things rolling in that fifth inning, finally. They were threatening all game. I mean, Quantrill pitched a good game, and yet, man, he got some lucky moments to get out of some things. There was some bad defense that definitely hurt him. So his final line on the day, he goes five innings, gives up nine hits. You don't like to see that. Two runs, though. Only one earned because of a Ramirez, uh, you know, wild throw to second base. One walk, that's it, and seven strikeouts. So he does have moments. Basically, anytime he gets in trouble, he gets a strikeout or a ground ball, right? Anytime he gets in trouble. In the first inning, Jose Miranda hits a two-out double. Nick Gordon ground out to get out of things. In that second inning, a single and a walk. Two guys on, boom, strikeout. We have the contested play at second base where they have to challenge it, right? Quantrill throws. Rosario and Jimenez both break for the ball because they're not sure Quantrill is going to field it, but then both have to try to recover and get to second base. That's kind of a bad job of communication. I mean, they literally have a moment where they say, all right, who's covering second base? 
if the ball comes back to me. Like that's a call you make on the infield before the play even starts. But I get how they both react to the ball first. Uh, anyways, after review, they do say that Sanchez was out by a hair at second base once Ahmed Rosario or uh, once Andres Jimenez recovers the ball. And then he strikes out Sandy Leon. So a ground ball, a strikeout, a ground ball, and a strikeout get him out of that second inning. Like I said, when he needed it, it was there. Uh, a strikeout, a single in the third inning, boom, Miranda grounds into a double play. Uh, and then two singles, back-to-back singles, a lead off the fourth inning. He's just walking the tightrope all night. And then, boom, two strikeouts in a row, and then a force out to get out of that inning. So, really fights his way through five innings. Now, they finally get to him in the fifth inning. They finally get a bunch of hits. But again, it's strikeouts that get him out of the inning. He strikes out Nick Gordon, gives up a single to Gio Urshela, but then strikes out Gary Sanchez to end the threat in the fifth inning. So they do finally break through in the fifth. They score some runs, but he's able to get out of it. So it's a decent day from Quantrill. So where did those strikeouts come from? Let's take a look. Let's take a look at all the locations. What pitches was he throwing for the strikeouts? It's a couple of high two-seam sinkers. Gets Nick Gordon up there at the top of the zone. Gets Sandy Leo. Gets Jake Cave at the top of the zone. He uh, actually just challenges Luis Arise with a two-seamer inside and blows it by him. Uh, gets a called strike on the outside edge to Gary Sanchez. Sanchez was not happy about that one. And then it's a cutter on the arm side of the plate to Jake Cave. So uh, almost works kind of like a backdoor cutter. And then it leaves a changeup for Gary Sanchez to swing through way off the plate in the fourth inning. So five of the seven strikeouts come via that two-seam sinker, and I'm not completely surprised because when we go to his player breakdown page, he threw it a ton. He was pounding that edge, of the, that inside, that arm edge of the plate uh, with that sinker. He threw it 49 times, had a 29% whiff rate on it, add in seven called strikes. It's a 31% CSW. That's pretty good. 11 foul, foul balls definitely help him get into, hitters, into pitchers' counts. Nine were put in play, but only at 86.5 mile per hour exit velocity. So at average, average exit velocity. So uh, a good day for Cal Quantrill with that two-seam sinker. Mixed in the cutter next at uh, 35 cutters. Uh, didn't have great CSW numbers on that. Uh, ends up with a 24% CSW total on the day. For a guy that rallied up seven strikeouts, uh, that's a pretty low CSW number, actually. I mean, 22 foul balls, like I said, definitely help get him in new pitcher's counts, and get him deeper into counts where he can finally get that strikeout. Now, uh, seven strikeouts ties the season high for him. It's something we don't see very often. He's usually around three or four strikeouts um, you know, in a, in a game. Last time he got seven strikeouts was at home against the Toronto Blue Jays on August 12th. And oh, I'm sorry, uh, I take that back. On the road, on the road against the Toronto Blue Jays, um, on August 12th, and then we got to go all the way back to May 4th, where he was home against the San Diego Padres, so this is the third time now on the season where he's gotten the seven strikeouts, but that's been the cap on him so far this season. Uh, let's see, do we have his strikeouts per nine here? All right, his strikeouts per nine are actually a little higher than I thought there'd be. He's up at 6.19 strikeouts per nine. So I guess I was being a little, uh, I was I was shading it a little low when I said around four or five strikeouts. So 6.19, he got up, he's maxed out at seven though. Uh, so probably a lot of, I'm, I'm surprised his K's per, well, I guess, okay, that's K's per start. K's per nine, obviously stretching it over nine innings. He's only going 
six or so innings, you know, per start. So uh, that's how your Ks per nine are a little bit higher than your actual strikeout totals, right? So uh, maybe I wasn't too far off. All right, so that's what Cal Quantrill was doing on the day. And then, obviously, their offense continued to hammer away at us. And it was Correa. Correa with uh, four hits on the day, four RBIs. This guy was trying to single-handedly bring the Minnesota Twins back in. Uh, after a Sandy Leon walk and a Luis Arise double that gets past Oscar Gonzalez, Correa singles, brings in Leon and Arise in that sixth inning. So two RBIs on the board for Correa. And then in the eighth inning, he gets the big home run, the big Karinchek moment. You're saying, Davey, you buried the lead on this one. How have you not talked about Karinchek's hair yet? I know, baby. I understand. Karinchek's hair uh, was a moment in this game, right? It looked very obvious like he was doing something. He kept scrunching up his hair, touching the rosin back, sometimes doing it up to three times before stepping on the mound. Uh, this is a guy that when the pitch clock starts next season, which we'll talk about in a sec, uh, when the pitch clock starts, he's really going to have to work on his routine because he takes so much time between pitches. And of course, Baudelli's got to go out there. And I mean, it's so obvious that something was going on with Karinchek, and they check him. The umpire checks his hair checks his hand, checks everything, and checks the inside of his hat, there's there's nothing there. And it's sweat and rosin. That's that's what he was doing. I mean, so the umpire does his check, but Deli, Baldelli does his job. He has to protect his hitters at that point. I mean, you can't see a guy do that over and over again and not think he's trying to doctor the ball, which he is, right? He is, but he's just using two legal substances that they let him have out there. He's allowed to sweat, and he's allowed to have a rosin bag. So he, I mean, he is trying to get a better grip on the ball. You could tell. That's why he pops that thing in the air. He's trying to feel how his hand feels, the grip on the ball. So they do the check. It throws him off his game. He hangs a curveball to Correa. He hammers it for a home run. Uh, but he gets out of the inning, and then it sets up Class A uh, for the ninth. And Class A comes back after blowing that save in Kansas City and does what he's supposed to do. Ground out, strikeout, strikeout. That's the Emmanuel Class A we know. Ground balls and strikeouts. Uh, his slider was really working for him. Clearly, after the cutter kind of let him down, you know, he couldn't locate it too great in Kansas City. He throws the slider seven times to four cutters. So uh, definitely felt more comfortable throwing the slider. All right. As you can hear, the baby has had just about enough of Dad's podcast. Uh, there are some big rule changes coming in Major League Baseball next year. Let's just talk about those tomorrow. Uh, this this was a heck of a baseball game, and I kind of want to cap it right here. I mean, the Twins did everything they could to fight back into this game. Every game between these two teams has been close all season, and this one, even after a 7-0 lead, is no different. Yeah, the bullpen's got to be tougher. They've got it. The bullpen has to step up and be tougher. Uh, De Los Santos gives up two runs there to the two Correa runs in the sixth inning. Uh, Stefan is decent. Karinchek gets blown up in the eighth for two more runs, and then Klasse is able to hold things down in the ninth. But the bullpen has to be better. If we're going to hold off Minnesota and the White Sox now, who are in second place for the division, if we're going to hold them off, we need this bullpen to be the best bullpen in the division. So Quantrill, it's a difficult start, but it's a good start, right? The seven strikeouts definitely help him out. Only one earned run given up over the five innings. He's only hard hit five times, by the way, on 96 pitches. But MVP on the day, 
definitely goes to Oscar Gonzalez. A four-hit night for Gonzalez. By the way, a three-hit night for Naylor right in front of him. Not too shabby. Both guys scored two runs, but the two home runs, the five RBIs for Oscar Gonzalez. I mean, this guy, that guy, that guy last night in the middle of our lineup is a game changer. Like, this team can be the rally team, right? We could be the contact team. We could be the bat-bip team. But then when you get to Oscar Gonzalez in the middle of the lineup and he's mashing home runs, I mean, that just takes it to a whole nother level. So uh, that's got the vision winner playoff team written all over it for me. So I like that they step up to the competition last night. They step up and defend the American League Central against the Minnesota Twins. It's a big win, and Oscar Gonzalez was definitely the most valuable player out there for the Guardians. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. That's all the baby's thoughts, too. We're going to wrap this thing up. Again, the final, it's the Guardian 7, the Minnesota Twins 6. I appreciate you morning people, and I appreciate you understanding the life of a new dad and hanging out with me and the baby. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris, where if you do follow me on Twitter, you can see that I was doing some basement karaoke last night with friends. Uh, They tweeted out the video of me. So if you want to see me do nine seconds of basement karaoke, Go check me out at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on Oscar Gonzalez. Let me know your thoughts on battling the Minnesota Twins and what's up with Karen Check's hair. We'll discuss it on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor. So if you go to anchor.fm forward slash clevelandbaseballmornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.